Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. How can we flip negative observations and experiences into things that empower us? You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you watch me on the Drew Barrymore Show, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Demona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another intriguing episode of Dates and Mates. You've probably heard me say on the show before that mindset is everything when you begin your dating journey. It's how I begin all of my dating coaching programs. And I ask everyone to begin with figuring out who you are and what you're looking for. And I also have people develop a set of mindset tools to put in place that can support you and keep you going when the going gets tough. And I know, it gets tough. And that's why I have Case Kenny here with me today. He is an Instagram sensation, and I'm not saying that lately. And he's the host of the New Mindset Who Dis podcast. He'll be sharing his methods for using mindfulness to benefit you in dating and relationships. But first and foremost, we got a dish. Our big headline for today is, are you looking for love in all the wrong places? If you've sent a sexy DM on LinkedIn, then... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> then later in Dear Devona, I will tackle the burning question. My cross-country relationship is developing quickly. How do I know if it's too fast? Ooh, I can't wait for today's episode. Make sure you got your AirPods in, your walking shoes on, your pen and paper handy. Whatever way you listen, we are here for it because it's time to dish. These dating dish. According to Insider Magazine, people are using Tinder not to find love, but to sell insurance policies. And get this, people are looking for love on LinkedIn. What a topsy-turvy world we live in. According to the article, this is just the blurred nature of the online world. <laughs> the article tells the story of someone who matched on Tinder, went to coffee with someone. And then they started pulling out all of these insurance packets and forms and started trying to sell them an insurance policy. It wasn't a date at all. She had a boyfriend. She was literally just using Tinder as a way to get clients. And Tinder has been very clear that this is a violation of their community guidelines where promotion or solicitation is prohibited. On the flip side, people are now using LinkedIn to find dates. Despite it being a professional networking site, there are a lot of people on the site who have blogged about finding their significant other through the platform. And it made me think as I stepped back, you know, putting the community guidelines aside, it made me wonder, why do we try to control the platforms that we're on? I hear this in so many different ways. People say to me like, oh, I didn't want to meet someone on a dating app or I wasn't on Facebook for hookups and I wasn't expecting someone to approach me or I didn't want to meet someone from LinkedIn. That's where I do my professional work. And it made me realize like we're we're trying to control things too much. Once the platform is created, it kind of takes on its own identity and its own possibility. And the reality of all of these platforms, whether it's Twitter or TikTok or or Facebook or 
LinkedIn or a dating app is that they're actually created for connection. And just because a platform is created with a certain purpose doesn't mean that that is the meaning that it will take on later down the road. I mean, when we look at it in the offline world, it's actually kind of ridiculous. Like, you don't say, well, I intended to meet someone in a bar, so I can't go to a bar unless I'm there to hook up or to date or to meet someone. We don't do that offline. Why are we doing it online and saying, oh, well, this platform was created for this. So that's the only thing that it could be. But what if we took all of our knowledge and experiences from offline connecting, networking, dating, relationships, and started to look at them the same way that we do our online tools. And then we have this electronic confidence added, but we also have the ability to be curious and be free and connect and reconnect and look beyond just the narrow definition of maybe why we showed up to that app in the first place. It actually gets me really excited thinking of the possibilities and seeing how technology can really be integrated into our lives. We can use all of these tools for good, for what they were intended for, for human connection, because sometimes we just don't know where it's headed. And the more we can stay open to possibility and the more we can stay present and the more that we can use this electronic confidence in a positive way, sky's the limit on the connections and the conversations that you might be able to create. If you're like, I don't know about dating on LinkedIn, Demona, but I am still here for these dating apps, then let me help you redesign your dating profile. I have a free profile starter kit. It's available online at datesandmates.com. It's super easy. You can create a brand new profile within like five minutes, honestly. Super fast, super easy, and super free and available for you right now at datesandmates.com. And we'll be announcing some new coaching programs soon. So the best way to get on my mailing list and make sure that you are the first to know when coaching and membership and all these goodies we have coming your way are available is by signing up for the Profile Starter Kit at datesandmates.com. Coming right up, Case Kenny will be with us to discuss how to use mindfulness to benefit you in dating and relationships. My friends, I am here with Case Kenny. He is the host of the New Mindset Who Dis podcast. He is an Instagram star. And no, he really is an Instagram star. I guarantee you, you've probably seen one of his posts before and maybe didn't even realize it because this man is brilliant. Please help me give big smooches to Case Kenny. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you here. It's been a minute since I last saw you. We were we were yeah. mediating with iced tea. Yeah, a little different. <laughs> <laughs> very different, very different scenario. But I started I started following you on Instagram at that time and listening to your podcast. And I was like, wow, Case and I really we have a lot to talk about. And in my dating coaching program, I always start people with mindset. So I wanted to get a little bit into the topics that you talk about on your podcast, New Mindset, Who Dis, and figure out what people can take from the experiences that they're having to really like 
use their life as an opportunity for them to experience, to grow, to learn. I have noticed, Case, you talk a lot about relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Is that by design or is that what you feel like uh, your audience really wants to know? Oh, man. Uh, It definitely wasn't by design. I I still think it's funny that I quote, give relationship advice. So like I started the podcast just as a means to share my love for mindfulness, which has changed my life. And I love sharing how I, um, you know, take an optimistic and self-aware lens of life. And uh, for a long time, I never touched relationships because I thought, who am I to give relationship advice? I'm this single guy in my 30s. But, you know, more and more I talk to people and they're like, the area of life where we need mindfulness most is relationships. So, Give us your thoughts. So I started to give my my thoughts, not my advice, not here's what's right and here's what's wrong, but just my thoughts on exactly what you said. What can you take from dating experiences that aren't necessarily great and use that to you know optimize or you know better enjoy your dating life? And I started to do that, and I just realized that there was a lot of power in it. So you know, I go where people tell me I'm being helpful, and uh, I've been following and pulling on that thread ever since. But yeah, I mean, I think dating is such an area ripe with confusion, frustration, assumption, areas of life that I think could be greatly simplified through the practice of mindfulness. Completely. I completely agree. And I want to dive into a couple of your recent episodes and dissect that. But first, I want to talk about your Instagram. I'll just read a couple of the recent ones. It has come to my attention that I'm smart, hot, and fun to be around. So from here on out, I'll be acting like it. Sometimes the only closure you need is deciding you are worthy of mutual effort and respect. Sometimes the only closure you need is letting go of potential and embracing reality. It's a lot of mindfulness, but it's also a lot about relationships and how you show up. So where do you get the inspiration for the content that you post there? Yeah, so I would say two things. For one, I think in my in my life, I think those are like very obvious truths. And I think the majority of people would say, yeah, those are obvious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think a lot of times we, we confuse ourselves. We overthink life beats us up to the point where we no longer believe these things that at some point were fundamental to us. Namely, you don't chase people who aren't interested in you. You can't force someone to love you. You know, you can't, you shouldn't ever want to do these things. These are things either our parents told us, or we just know inherently deep down what is right and what is wrong, what is force and what's not. But I think life, you know, adds up over time and we forget these things. So I I am not afraid of a good cliche. I am not afraid of stating the obvious because I think it's my mission in life to remind people of the things that we know. Maybe said a different way, maybe said in a different way for the 15th time and it's that 15th time that changes someone's life. So that's my motivation to do these things is to remind people of what we deep down know is true and it's time to act like it. The second would be, of course, my own life. You know, I'm 34 now. I've had many ups and downs in dating. I think I've learned a lot. Um, I think I always joke that when I was rolled off the human assembly line, they checked the box for optimist and for self-aware. It's just the way I've always been. Like, if I can see a silver lining or if I can't, I will create one. Like, it's just the way I am. And I think a lot of people aspire to be that way. And if I could help people navigate their life in that form, I'm going to do it. And, and, that's, and that's what I do. Um, and I also spend a lot of time talking with people and, and listening. I mean, one of my favorite pastimes is weird is I like asking older generations what they regret in life, which is like a weird, seemingly downer of a thing to do. But I've learned so much from observation and deep thinking. I spend all day, every day thinking about these topics and I just like to turn around and share it. I think it's my job in life to help people simplify. Simplify 
you know, if something bad happens, give yourself two options and choose one and then go with it. Not to, you know, be in this gray, ambiguous area of life where you're overthinking. And I just really enjoy it and, and it seems to help people. So, you know, that's what that's what inspires me. I love that. And I, I also love talking to older people. And I tell my clients to get get relationship role models for yourself because, you know, we all have our stuff. We all have our experiences. And we might not come from a family where some of these things that may seem like um, common sense or may seem like common experiences to you and I may not have happened. But that doesn't mean that you can't gain that knowledge and that insight and wisdom through the people you interact with and the conversations that you have. So let's have a conversation a little bit about red flags because it seems to come up a lot, Case, on New Mindset Hootis. Your way of looking at red flags is a little bit different. And people, when they ask me for red flags, I think they're looking for something, something really concrete of like, oh, if this person does X in their profile, that's a red flag. But you had a recent episode where you talked about the red flags that came up that maybe you put forward in a relationship before you did so much of this, we'll just call it mindset, self, self-awareness self work. And if I can synthesize, I think the headline is that clarity on what you want in a relationship is the biggest green yeah, flag yeah. and not having clarity seems to be the re- biggest red flag as as you've seen it in your life. I think so. Yeah. I mean, red flag is like everyone loves talking about it because people want these things where you can like, hey, red flag, I'm out. We want like humans love obvious truths. We love things, tangible things that we could point to and be like, okay, that's a sign. But of course, life is not always clear and that and that's where it gets tough. Um, yeah, I, I did do an episode somewhat recently on what I thought is like the biggest red flag. And it's exactly what you said. It's lack of clarity. And um, lack of why, like someone who is dating without a reason to date. And I, I found that in, in 20s and 30s and even 40s and beyond, it's very rampant. People haven't sat down to understand why they're doing these things. I ask people all the time. I wrote a book called Single is Your Superpower. And chapter one was sit down and ask yourself, why are you dating? And most people are like, well, what do you mean? Of course, you're supposed to date. You're not supposed to be alone. Um, I want to start a family. I want to leave a legacy. Very like biological societal things. And I think those are fine answers, but I think we need more intentional, specific to you answers. I am dating to find someone who challenges me, who does this, who does that. I think that is a powerful place to operate from. Dating becomes this thing where for some reason it's acceptable for like two people to come together and one isn't being honest or open or has no idea why they're even there. I don't think it's a over standard to say I expect someone else to know why they're dating. Why are they on a date? What are they looking for? And I just think the lack of that is a, is a big red flag. Completely. And you even said in that episode that um, no one really challenged you when you were in that ambiguous place. Like mm. you said, why didn't anyone say, what is your intention? Or like clarified that. And if they had, that might have shifted things for you. I think so. And also- you you talked about how when you are when you would get someone that was upfront and transparent with you about like being into you, being interested in a relationship, that would make you back away. Can you talk a little bit about that um what was going on internally during that during that experience because I feel like that is the experience of a lot of my clients like I'm always saying 
speak your truth, speak how you feel. And you can't control the other person's feelings, right? But you can own your own feelings. Yep. But sometimes you don't get that response that you're that you're looking for. Yeah. So I'd say there's a lot there. I'd say two quick things. The two quick things was one, that was a reflection of my lack of maturity, for sure. Like not knowing what I wanted, what I wanted, but continuing to date without knowing that, and then being scared off by someone who knows what they want. That's immaturity. Um, I would say also too, like thinking about men and male behavior and male conditioning. I think, you know, I talk a lot about the topic as well. I think when it comes to like, why do men lose interest quickly? Like why in my twenties did I lose interest quickly? Lack of maturity for sure. Uh, But I think a bigger part of that is lack of awareness around conditioning, lack of awareness around things like attachment styles. Like I am a classic dismissive avoidant type absolutely all day, every day. I think in my twenties, I wasn't aware of that. And I think a lot of men don't take time to understand these things. And the, my, the biggest revelation I've ever had is that, you know, dating, there's going to be a level of discomfort in dating. And that's discomfort from being single for a long time to exploring commitment. That's discomfort from having a, a routine and complete selfishness to bringing someone into your life. You know, natural progression, evolving discomfort. A lot of men see discomfort as a sign that they should back up. Everyone feels that discomfort, but men a lot of the times don't dig into it to say, this is discomfort because it's challenging my conditioning. That's conditioning that says I should be avoidant because I'm fine on my own or dismissive because I I need to be this single macho guy with a roster, whatever it may be. Conditioning in that sense. And men don't take time to evaluate that and challenge that why. I think any great, rewarding, compatible relationship requires that both people challenge the discomfort and engage in the discomfort rather than seeing discomfort as a sign to back up. And in my 20s, I never did. Um, And maybe that's an age thing. I think that's classic. I think men mature slower, for sure. I think there's a lot of societal and biological conditioning around men and age and and things like that. But yeah, I I look back and like, you know, I feel bad for like wasting some (laughs) wasting some of these women's time. But I, I think, you know, anyone who states their intention, and if it scares someone off as much as that does admittedly suck, at least you have an answer now. Yeah. If your intention scares someone off, then I, why would you ever want to be with them in the first place? Tough pill to swallow. But. You're exactly right. And you've mentioned how like patterns are only patterns until they until they stop becoming yeah. patterns. Yeah. But I hear a lot of people saying like, oh, I always get rejected or it always ends like this or I always attract this kind of person. And what I love about your work is that you give people the the sort of confidence and the clarity to be able to shift those patterns and those thoughts and beliefs. Yeah, I, I think we have to. I mean, that, that I feel like that's my mission in life. It's like, I I, I love that you, you did that soundbite because that's my favorite soundbite in the world as like, huh, as it is like a pattern is only a pattern until it's not a pattern anymore. And I just like so fundamentally yeah. believe in that, especially when it comes to things that are rewarding and life changing, like your lifelong partner. I think sometimes it's a little bit crazy that we think it's going to be easy. Like, I wish it was. Like, I, I love it when people are like, yeah, I went on one date, found my soulmate, married my high school sweetheart. I love hearing that. But let's be real. That's not the majority of life. You know, the, the, the greatest things are on the other side of tremendous friction and frustration and discomfort and lessons learned. And if we understand that, then hopefully we can empower ourselves to see the ups and downs and the downs <laughs> and the downs in a way that empowers us rather than pulls us back. And I do so many episodes and and journal prompts on like lessons learned, the people who hurt us, helped us, like all these things. How can we flip? How can we flip negative observations and experiences into things that empower us rather than lower our standard? 
And I just think that's a mentality that is going to serve us well, especially as we get older, especially as we start seeing a cycle perpetuate. It's very tempting to come to negative assumptions about ourselves, but we don't have to. Again, it's, it's easy for me to say these things because I feel like I'm wired this way. But I think there is a certain semblance of power that we could take back when we look for lessons, when we look for upside, when we look for standards from those experiences. Completely. And when we are looking at it from that perspective, I, you know, I love that you brought up, you brought up the word discomfort and I've heard you use that word before that sitting in discomfort, it's, it's weird to encourage people (laughs) to sit in discomfort, (laughs) but I a hundred percent agree that that discomfort is a feeling of the change happening. And part of selecting your partner is is being able to lean into the people who do not run from that discomfort with you. And you need someone that's going to be able to ride all of those waves with you. And the more that we can get comfortable, this is weird, but yeah. like comfortable with the discomfort, <laughs> then I think the the better we are able to design our lives and know that we are going to be okay. Like if that person says, hey, this relationship is not for me, that it's okay and you can learn from that. Are there any exercises you recommend or things you can take from the book that help people in sitting in that place of discomfort? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so I think think it's like bookends. It's, It's great for everything. It's like, your observation of others should be within the context of discomfort. Like the the question is like, is this person capable of loving me? Like that's always the question. It's like, is this does this have legs to it? Is this is this real? It's like one thing to you know go on a couple of dates and be like, this is great, but like, is this capable of turning into something real? You look at it through the lens of is this person willing to embrace the discomfort that's going to come, or are they going to be like myself and many you know like developed young men and, you know, back up from that discomfort. That's the ultimate question. And I think if you have that in the top of your head, you could look at behavior and words through that lens and it could give you a solid answer. But then on the flip side, to your point, if something isn't working out, then you turn that question to yourself. Am I willing to embrace discomfort to know what I have to do? Am I willing to do that? Or or in the immediate, am I willing to embrace the discomfort of stating my intention on date one? to serve my ultimate purpose, which is I don't have time to waste with guessing what their intention is, with hoping that eventually they disclose what they're looking for. Like, what a ridiculous thing to to, to expect. Like, am I willing to embrace the discomfort, which could be rejection, which could be judgment, which could be a weird look? Am I willing to embrace it? We We kind of started talking about feelings and uncomfortable feelings. And you had a recent episode, Case, that you were talking about not trusting your feelings, adopting a mindset of honoring your feelings, but not trusting them. Yeah. So what? it's a great topic. And I, there are a lot of smarter people have tackled the idea of thoughts and feelings. Are they ours? Are they theirs? Is it, is it like, where does a feeling come from? If we hear a voice in our head, is it like all these crazy things? And it's the ultimate balancing act, right? Like your feelings are your greatest friend, but also can be your greatest enemy. Like your intuition is so, so powerful. And to my point earlier, I think our intuition knows all the quotes that I always post. But we ignore it sometimes when we should be trusting our intuition. So how do we know when to trust our emotions, our intuition and not? It's the ultimate balancing act. I think what I've what I've come to do is kind of an exercise that I term facts or feelings. And it's basically the idea that a lot of the times we 
we confuse ourselves. We think in the instances where we're like, I, for instance, I feel anxious. We're like, oh, I'm being honest with myself. That's fantastic. Good. I feel anxious. But then we misconstrue that and we'll be like, I am an anxious person. And that is where we get lost in the sauce of our emotions, where we can't be trusting it as a fact. But what I think is really helpful is to establish a list of facts for yourself. Uh, those are facts that you fundamentally believe and you compare those to your feelings. So for instance, like you come up with a list of facts. I believe that my hard work will pay off. I believe that I am worthy of honesty and kindness, whatever it may be. Those are the facts. When you have a feeling that isn't aligned with that, you should always listen to it. You shouldn't ignore, you shouldn't exist outside of your feelings. But I found it really powerful to say, to take a look at the feeling and compare and contrast that with the fact. And then realize that facts are permanent in your life. The facts are non-negotiable. The feelings are temporary. They're there to give you something to consider. They're there to offer you guidance. But once we realize what is temporary and what is permanent, I think that gives us a lot of more leverage. And we need leverage when it comes to our feelings. So that's like my whole thing with facts and feeling is there's never a perfect blueprint. Listen here and don't listen here. But what is helpful is having that list of facts in your pocket, on a wall, in your head, whatever it may be. A couple facts that you will never negotiate on when it comes to your worth or what you believe or the kindness that you see in the world, whatever it is, having that ready and then comparing that and doing facts or feelings. That's how I kind of approach the topic. Do you define mindfulness and meditation as two different things? I mean, I think meditation is a type of mindfulness. I think a lot about mindfulness. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have a whole series of definitions for it. I think the, the easy way that I look at it is Mindfulness is in the word. To be mindful is to be aware. In my world, to be self-aware is to be radically honest with yourself. Radical honesty is defined by the practice of asking yourself why and answering it. So I consider mindfulness the practice of why. Three-letter word, very powerful. It's why. I think meditation is a form of asking why. It's a form of why is my mind and my body in two different places? Why am I allowing this thought to absorb my energy, whatever it may be? When you ask yourself why, as a habit and as a North Star, I've found that it gives you the two most important things in life, which is closure from the past and clarity in the present. If you're operating from a place of closure, and closure, I would say, is more synonymous with peace, peaceful acceptance of what happened, maybe not full understanding just yet because that could take a while, but closure, peaceful acceptance, and clarity, clarity in the present. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I dating? Why am I putting up with someone who doesn't know why they're dating? Answering those questions, that is mindfulness to me. And you do this with your new mindset journal. Talk to me about your inspiration for that and how you guide people on this journey. Yeah, I've always been like a creative. I joke that I do arts and crafts for a living. So I'm always like writing on things. I've got like a paper chopper. I've got scissors. I've got paper. I've got everything here. I'm a grown man doing arts and crafts. But, you know, I, I honestly like I go to therapy. Um, but the podcast is like my form of therapy. Sitting down and thinking about these topics is like so helpful for me in my life. Um, and it also shows me that like there's never a topic that someone doesn't message me and is like, wow, Case, like, are you in my head? How did you know? I think there's just a, an amazing sense of like community around negative experiences, which is kind of a, a unfortunate community to have, I suppose. But it is powerful to remember that you're not alone in these things. And that there's people who have come before you and currently and after you that will make the decision to see a negative experience as an opportunity to raise, to elevate, to choose this or that. And that's what I like to do. I just like to provide people with 
perspective that maybe maybe they've heard it before, but this is the time that could be helpful. I know for me, it's like I've like these topics. I'm like, yeah, I, I ignored that topic in my 20s, but finally now I get it and it's life changing. And, you know, if I could help people do that, then my mission here is a worthwhile one. Yeah. You know, it's more than a community around around those yeah, those feelings of but course. it's it's also a community around optimism. I mean, that's really what I take also from the quotes that you post and yeah. that you've really captured that voice of people wanting better for them their, themselves for their lives for the people that they associate with. So, it's really um wonderful that you continue to to share your thoughts in all these different mediums that help people have that experience. Um, tell us what's next for you. I know people can listen to New Mindset Who Dis wherever they're listening to Dates and Mates right now. Anything else coming up that you'd like to tell us about? Uh, well, thank you again. That's so kind of you. It means a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got, I'd say two things that I'm really excited about. One, I'm releasing a book. Um, it's called But First, Inner Peace. It's about manifesting through the lens of giving yourself peace first as a place of foundation so that you could ride the ups and downs along the way to that thing that you're trying to manifest. Um, that's coming out soon. Um, and then also I, I do I do a lot with music because I'm very passionate about fusing together mindfulness in different spaces. And I think music has this amazing ability to give us vulnerability. And when you're in a vulnerable state, you're aware. And when you're aware, you're honest. And when you're honest, you're asking why. It's these great things. And I'm releasing a, a collaboration with a, a large artist next month. Um, I won't say who it is just yet, but it's it's it's. It's a cool project. It's like a, a, a passion project of mine, mixing together um, its dance music, house music, and mindfulness together to get people in the headspace where they're celebrating their awareness. So that'll be coming soon as well. That is so cool. And that's something I know nothing about. So I'm really excited <laughs> right. to check it out cool. and see how I can <laughs> transform through house music, uplifting, optimistic house music. Uh, we will put the link in the show notes, but everybody definitely check out Case on Instagram, listen to the podcast, and soak up more of this man's wisdom because it is fantastic and transformational. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. You need to make sure you are following Case on Instagram. Trust me, you are missing out if you are not following this man at case.kenny. Of course, the link will be in the show notes. And check out his podcast. It's super enlightening, super accessible, super wonderful. It's called New Mindset, Who Dis? And you can get your twice weekly dose of mindfulness there. We'll be sure to put a link in the show notes for that to make it easy for you too. We are teeing up our question of the week. Things are progressing quickly with my new partner. Do I need to slow it down? Mm, stay with me. You know I've always got you covered with your dating dilemmas, so let's get into this question of the week. Dear Damona, Damona, help me. This is an Instagram message that came to us from a listener named A. She says, I'm usually an anxious avoidant and working on it. I'm 33 and my new mate is 36. It all started when I was visiting NYC about a month ago and I matched with him on Bumble. We went on our first date and it felt really good. like. Long-term potential good. What was meant to be a hookup developed, and I really felt like I wanted to see him again. So a few weeks later, I flew back to NYC. Our time together was incredible. And now he's coming to see me and stay with me at the end of this month for a couple of days. I realize this intense romantic phase fades, but since we're across the nation, it feels like a special situation, and we want to make the most of our time together. I told him I'd like to talk more about deeper things and text less so we can develop more closeness. 
And last night, via video chat, we spoke about wanting a long-term partnership with the right person. Next, he asked me if I wanted kids. He wants them. Having kids terrifies me because I didn't have good examples growing up, but things shift and maybe it could happen with the right person. It got a little awkward and I felt really anxious after we wrapped. I felt like I overshared. On one hand, it feels kind of quick, but on the other hand, it feels amazing that we're genuinely connecting. But I know my brain is on love drugs, so I'm having a hard time thinking of this objectively. I've read some articles that say I should avoid oversharing and moving too quickly in the beginning because things can blow up if we skip the getting to know each other phase. How do I identify if we're going too fast? And should I attempt to slow things down? And if we're going too fast, how do I slow it down without seeming unstable or like I'm holding back out of fear when all my heart wants is to lean in? A, I love the detail and the depth of this question. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who can relate, maybe not necessarily in a long distance relationship, but First of all, I think it's wonderful that you have identified that you are anxious avoidant and that you're working on it. As I read this email, there's a lot of anxiousness and avoidance going on. And for those that aren't familiar with attachment styles, that that anxious avoidant is basically, I want to be close. It's too close. I got to move away. I'm pulling back. I'm pushing. So guess what? Guess what, A? You just got your lesson. Your lesson is right here being delivered to you. And the question is, how are you going to proceed this time because now you're aware and you have a choice. It's also excellent that you said, I wanted to have real conversations and text less. Look, you are in a high stakes situation because you can't just like roll up on one another's house and say like, oh, hey, let's go hang out. You have to really make a choice to see one another. So you got to know how much you want to invest in this relationship. And the only way to know that is to ask some of these harder questions up front. If he lived down the street, I might say, tap the brakes a little, but not in the having deep conversations, more in the how much do I share with this person? And something like, do I want to have kids or not? Do I want a long-term relationship or not? That can never be an overshare, A, because that is the stuff that the foundation of relationships are built on. And the two biggest predictors of long-term compatibility are shared goals and shared values. And really, the conversation around having kids is both a values and a goals conversation. So it is very important. And I would really encourage you to do some deep work. You can choose differently. You can, with mindful action, show up differently as a parent than the parenting that maybe was modeled for you. And yet, you may also, when you look deep inside, realize that's just not the lifestyle that I want. I don't actually want to be a parent. And if that is an important goal for him, which if he's sharing it this early on, it clearly is, that might be, that might be the the deciding factor right there. So you have a little bit of homework to do. But once you figure that out, if you're like, it's possible, I could have kids with the right person, then you have to go into, how do I know if this is the right person? And you are going through the process of getting to know someone. And it sounds like he's showing up for you in that way too. He was willing to have you visit again and now come out to visit you. But 
I just have to, I have to ring the bell when I hear that you want to slow it down and you're worried that that make, might make you seem unstable because that is your anxious avoidant attachment style talking, okay? You're feeling like, ooh, things are actually really good. I can see a future with this person. It's getting really intense. And now like, wait, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Because I'm feeling the pressure of what if this doesn't work out? What if I open my heart? What if I'm vulnerable? What if I go through all of this experience and then it doesn't happen? And guess what, A? This is the process. This is the work that we're doing. This is the joy of getting to know someone and forming a new relationship and staying in that space of possibility. We don't know the end of the story. So you just have to keep showing up Keep being vulnerable, both with yourself and honoring what you truly feel, where it's coming from, and what you're going to do with it, and being vulnerable with your partner and being open to hearing what his goals are and whether they align with yours or not, and being willing to share your stuff and know that that doesn't make you seem unstable. Pulling away, yeah, might make you seem unstable because then he's going to be like, wait, I thought things were going well, and now why is she pulling away? When it's working, let it work. You don't have to do so much. <laughs> you can just let it be and show up and respond to what you're getting and then see where you're at. See where you're at after this trip. But if you pull away right now, I guarantee you, you'll get the same outcome that you got all the times before when you let your anxious avoidant attachment be in the driver's seat. If you, as Case was saying, get comfortable with that discomfort, that discomfort is coming up because this is the part where you usually run away. <laughs> it's coming up because you want that closeness and that attachment, but you haven't had it modeled for you, it sounds like, in the past. So you keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing the work. And this is the best we learn relationally. So this is the best case scenario for you to be able to heal your attachment style because you have this person that is open-hearted, that is showing up, that is here saying, I want to get to know you. I want to do this the right way. I want to be here for you. You get to walk through this and you get to see how you have changed and how you can show up differently. I hope you will update us and let us know how this trip goes and what ends up happening because I'm always excited to see love stories unfold for my listeners and my clients. So keep us posted. I hope you enjoyed episode 409 of Dates and Mates. When this show grows, I can serve you better. And this show grows when you share it. When you tell a friend, my listeners are the best source of referrals to help us heal more hearts and get this show to the people who really need this guidance in love and in life. So share the show, tell somebody, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening, and let me know 
how I can help you. You can DM me a question for a future episode of the show at Demona Hoffman on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or give me a call. I'd love to hear your voice. You can leave me a voicemail at 424-246-6255 or send your question in via text. We will be back next Tuesday with behavior scientist and lifestyle design coach Gianna Biscontini to discuss how vulnerability can lead to emotional depth and better opportunities for connection. Until then, I wish you happy dating.